We are graced by the presence of the one, the only Stephen Brooks of 24-7 Sports, talking everything from football to what he saw and heard at the press conferences today and yesterday, and hey, maybe even some basketball at the end. Who's to say? Stay tuned to find out. Our Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The greatest people in the world, the watchers, the listeners of Lockdown Spartans. How on earth are you all doing? Thank you so much for kicking off your day with us here. Yes, at Lockdown Spartans, your team in green and white five days a week. And we are joined not just by Stephen Brooks. No, 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 no. Birthday boy, Stephen Brooks. Let's go. Happy birthday. Wow, you look just incredible today. Why? <laughs> Thank you so much for spending some of your birthday with us here. Uh, how you feeling, man? Hey, are you feeling okay on, on, on your big day? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, no, yeah, good okay. on you for doing your homework, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, I've been saying I'm redshirt 29 all year because I wasn't ready to cross that threshold. And yep, but now okay. I'm two years, you know, I'm, I'm 31 officially now, so I can't use that excuse. So I just got to roll with it and, and accept, mm. you know, my days are numbered here and uh, my okay. youth is completely gone and all sure. that. So yeah, no, sure. it's it's uh, it's been good so far. Um, this makes it better, man. I always talk to you makes it better. So uh, that hearing from Scotty it. Hazleton and all these guys, I mean, it's just it's been a it's been a banner uh, birthday, no doubt. Talking with Scotty Hazleton, talking with me, it's just everyone's favorite people in East Lansing. This is great. Uh, what a, right. <laughs> great vibes on a on a birthday. But no, you you get a COVID year along with your red shirt year. So as far as I'm concerned, you're still 29. So we'll just we'll okay. keep it like that okay. for, no, yeah, I can, for I can the buy foreseeable that. future. Good, because you're going to have to. Um, hey, you know what? Just like you said, uh, today you spent this wonderful Tuesday. Scotty Hazelton was the assistant coach, ironically enough, that was sent to speak with the media at practice today, Tuesday. Usually it's just like a random coach, right? And today was just Scotty Hazelton's number. This wasn't like uh, – I, I don't know, think there's like any rhyme or reason to it necessarily. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's always at least one assistant coach. Sometimes it's two, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's one on each side of the ball. It's – it's it, there's never really been any pattern to it necessarily. Um, so yeah, and, and obviously he's a guy that a lot of people want to hear from. So yeah. maybe they you know they pushed him up in the order a little bit, but like I don't think it was necessarily like Scotty, you got to get out there right now and, and explain right. yourself. Face, you know, it wasn't face like the that. music, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, go out to the guillotine and face these people. No, but like so, yeah. Obviously, a lot of people want to hear from him. Uh, Tanner Morgan looked like Joe Burrow in the first half, and that's not the first quarterback to do that against Michigan State. So yeah. A lot of people want to hear from him, but did, did he say anything that perked your ears up or was it pretty much a, an afternoon of, of coach speak and of the sort? Yeah, Scotty? it was to be, it was a lot of stuff that we've already heard from Mel Tucker, to be honest, you know, and look, okay. I know, I know that everybody wanted him to go up there and just say, Hey, I, Hey guys, I'm the worst. You know, I don't even deserve this job. I, I'm surprised right. I'm still here. You know, that's what everybody <laughs> wanted. And, and that right. did not happen. Um, look, he did take some responsibility and say like, just like mm-hmm. a player, you know, he looks back and, and has regrets and, and had mistakes. And there's things on his end for sure, you know, that, that he hasn't uh, liked about how this year has gone so far. But for the for, to the, for the most part, uh, he really said, like I said, a lot of the same things that Mel Tucker has been saying, which is, you know, the death by inches line uh, is something that he mentioned today. And he, he really, uh, you know, um, emphasized a couple of times, like it's, it's not this to him, you know, it's not this uh, wide ranging disaster you know it's it's on this play it's one guy's misaligned 
and then boom, you know, he he gives up the big play. The next play, mm-hmm. it's this other guy, you know, taking a false step or whatever, and then boom, the run goes right past him, you know, or or what? It's it's a series of small problems, um, is what Hazelton said, which echoes exactly what Mel Tucker has said, you know, and and Hazelton also uh, said quite a few times, you know, sort of leaned on to leaned into like. Uh, their injuries, you know, and just that that they're yeah. they're playing. There's a lot of next man up in going on right now, or it has been all year. I mean, really, you go back to game one with with Snow and Henderson, and you know, every game there's basically been a notable injury on that side of the ball. And you lose Petrowski at Washington, uh, Slade's been out, you know. Uh, so there's there's been some major losses there for sure. Chris Bogle left last game after after I th- thought had a pretty solid first half. Um, so there is some of that for sure, but like. We've also seen some of these weaknesses even back last year, even when they were healthy. Yeah. So, you right. know, his a lot of his reasoning, like I said, was was very similar. It was either inches, you know, it's one little thing here or there or, you know, sort of like not flat out like, hey, we're not that good. But like sort of coded like, hey, guys, there's a lot of next man up happening here right now. And, you know, it's on us as coaches to get the, the backups ready and get them as as qualified, you know, as the starters would be and everything. But and that's fine. You know, every coach is going to say next man up. But. You know, Mel Tucker will even say though, like it, at some point, it does matter who's in there. Like every next man isn't as good as the last man. That's why you weren't the first man. You know, so right. that it, it does matter, especially when you have a cumulative effect of these injuries. Um, so that was his reasoning and everything. Like I said, he did take some blame. Um, I don't know if it was super satisfying for everybody. You know, I, like I said, I know they wanted him to just go up there and roast himself, but yeah, you know, it's interesting at least that they're on the same page, I guess. And and he said, you know. Things haven't really changed much uh, in the background. He said Mel hasn't like taken the wheel, you know, from his hands and, and you know, and, and just uh, over overtaken everything. You know, he says it remains collaborative and Tucker, you know, for the most part sort of seems to be hands off and everything uh, as he does with the offense, as he does with everything else. You know, uh, I, he, he puts in his input, of course, but I don't think he's yeah. uh, making his voice any louder this week necessarily than than normal. So that was kind of the gist of, of what he had to say. And, you know, um, they they believe that they can fix it, but uh, you know, you can't keep performing like this and and keep saying it's little things, little things, little things, because it's like you guys are being paid very well to fix those little things, and how can they keep happening? You know, and he sort of pushed back on the idea that they're not adjusting as well, and you know, I, I think you can debate that. You know, of course, like not every casual observer sees everything that they're doing, especially on defense, mm-hmm. um, but I still think that there's more things they could try, more more. Um, variation you know and whatnot i do think they're easy to read sometimes and easy to predict so and that's what you see i mean when tanner morgan has been throwing you know 16 15 passes all year basically his whole career almost and then comes out 23 for 26 you know and they came out throwing too like that was the most oh yeah uh, eye-opening part is like they didn't they didn't come out and run it three or four straight times they came out through it <laughs> three like three other first four snaps or whatever it was and like that that told the whole story right there is they you know they, they felt comfortable enough to change their identity um, from like, this ground and pound run heavy team. And they said, screw it. We're going to throw on these guys because they're going to give it up. Sure right. enough, that's what happened. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. And you know what? Like that is something that Mel talked about yesterday. Mondays with Mel is that like, yeah, we have some fixed ideas for the defense. I'm not going to give them all up right here, but I, I guess what can those fixes even be? Because, okay, at Washington, you tried to do the whole, Hey, we're going to rush four, drop seven into the coverage. Okay, that, that didn't work at all. Uh, last week, hey, look, they tried to get some blitzes going against Minnesota. A lot through the tackles, though, like a lot of A-gap, maybe B-gap blitzes, too, that never really got home. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so we, we tried the whole, hey, throw seven in the coverage. All right, the next week, we're going to try single coverage against... Where do we go from here now? Like, what's what's the other option other than just throw 14 guys in the field and hope the referees don't notice? Like, is it just exotic blitz packages? Is it stunts on the defensive? Like, I, I, I don't even know, like, what fixes can be anymore because, well, we've seen, we've seen a lot of the ideas already. Right. Out. Yeah. I, I don't have a great answer for you there, to be honest, Like, because I don't really know either, you know, like what you go to. Like, I guess right. Um, my coworker, Justin Thin, you know, you guys all know him, turned to me in the press box on Saturday around halftime, I want to say. He's like, so, all right, so what would you do at this point? I'm talking about defensively. And I'm like, well, I guess just pressure the absolute hell out of them, you know, blitz right. your uh, you know what off, you know, because look, you're getting tight, you're getting torn up and diced up when you sit back and play coverage. So at least get diced up by trying to send some heat at them, you know, like at least try to make it difficult. Cause if, if you uh, just yeah. sit back, they're going to pick you apart anyway, obviously. Um, so at least, at least try to make it difficult on the quarterback. You somehow or another, you know, the, their pass rush uh, from the defensive line standpoint has, has disappeared. Um, and again, injuries play a part of that, you know, but Jacoby Winman, I mean, you asked me on here once, is he K nine of the defense this year? No. <laughs> so, uh, you Oops. know, the, you know, there's, more, <laughs> there's, there's a lot that goes into it. But, yeah, I do think, as I mentioned, though, they got. I just think they can do better um, mixing up their coverages. They still get into this comfort zone of let's just fall back and play cover three. That's what we know best. That's our comfort mm-hmm. zone. They fall back and lean into that, you know, sort of dependency too much, I think. And just, um, again, I'm no mastermind here, but just work on how they disguise things. I really think that these competent, high-level offensive schemes – now, maybe Minnesota probably isn't that, but definitely Washington, you know, could see exactly what they were looking at and they weren't fooled at all. And they knew exactly how to get the matchups they wanted with all that crazy shifting motion stuff and, and whatnot. So I yeah. just think they've got to change the picture a little bit uh, in, in terms of pre-snap, what they're doing. And look, that's hard without a four-year starter in Xavier Henderson. That's hard without Darius Snow, who I've told you, I think is probably the smartest defensive player on the team, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and whatnot. So it's hard when you're limited, but yeah, I think you just got to change what people are looking at because I think it's a little too predictable right now. And, of course, I do think you got to mix in more man, more actual press. Even when they're lined up in the line of scrimmage, they're not getting their hands on guys. They're not redirecting routes. They're not jamming them at the line of scrimmage. And, like, that's fine if you just want to line up in the guy's face. But if you turn right around and bail out when you do that, you know, then what's the point? You should have lined up five yards off anyway and gave yourself that cushion, helped yourself out. But yeah. when you're going to line up, you know, in that press type of look, then press – hard, you know, aggressively get them off their route and help your D line, help your pass rush there. So those are a couple of things, I guess, you know, I think Hazel's going to probably say they've been trying some of that stuff. And so, you know, I guess that's another problem if it's just not working. So man, I mean, yeah, it's, it's tricky, but and to, to his point though, and Hazelson made a good point today. I thought um, he did, they did play two polar opposite teams, you know, in terms of Washington and just how they want to throw the ball and how creative they are in that sense. And then Minnesota, which is more of just a, straight up run the ball at you type of offense. The downside though, is that both of them were equally successful. Um, So it's not like there's one, you know, Achilles heel that they were able to attack. And then you've got this other strong suit to lean on. Um, Their run defense traditionally has been really good. I mean, for like a decade, we're talking like, when have they really not been a good run defense going back to the the Mark Antonio years and everything. Um, That's still kind of there. I think that's probably the one thing defensively that you got to feel good about is that they're going to at least, um, show up and do that pretty well. But, you know, you've got a Maryland team that wants to throw it for 500 yards on you and has the personnel to probably do it. 
And uh, you know what? We're going to throw a cliffhanger on everyone because I'm going to ask you, hey, what's most likely to bounce back next week in Maryland? Is it going to be the defense or the offense? But before you give us that answer, Stephen, I just need to say goodbye to you and talk the people's ear off about Bet Online. That's right. It's where the game starts, gang. Start your gambling experience this weekend with BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find, including the Michigan State game. They are seven and a half point underdogs at College Park. If you believe in our Spartans, hey, BetOnline, go throw a few shekels on our Spartans over there. As always, BetOnline remind remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf, is at betonline.net. So head to betonline.net, use your mobile device, learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. And before I throw Stephen Brooks back on the hot seat, that's right. Hey, thank you so much for making Lockdown Sparks your first listen. Every single day, please rate, review, subscribe, comment below. Whatever makes you happy. Steven, uh, seven and a half point underdogs at Maryland. That's a sentence you never want to say. But, hey, when your offense is looking that bad and your defense is looking somehow maybe, arguably even worse, well, that's going to happen. But with that said, hey, most likely to have a one-week turnaround. Is it the offense for the Spartans or the defense for the Spartans? Please don't say neither. I can't take any more bad news. Just don't. Yeah, neither no, is not I mean, an answer. You got the you got the gun to my head. It's got to be offense. I mean, at okay. this point, what what there's there's nothing that would make me believe that the defense is going to have some bounce back until they do it. I mean, but I like, know. what evidence would I have? What what supporting evidence would I be able to bring to you here? As I just said, they just let a run first offense go twenty three for twenty six on them. Uh, yep. Through the year, I mean, <laughs> yep. they completely changed their stripes and 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 had their way with them. So yeah, there's nothing defensively. I'm not saying they're not capable and it won't happen, but I mean, like, there's just I would be, you know, wishing upon a star, you know, if if I said defense. So I have to say offense just by default almost. And I do have serious, you know, I don't think Maryland is this. Uh, I guess I haven't really dug into it, but I don't think that this dominant run defense or anything. So maybe they totally. can get back on track there. Uh, you know, as I've said to you, though, I mean, I still have pretty low confidence in the offensive line to figure this thing out. And the the the, the party line there is that it's not just them. You know, it's that the backs are missing holes, or that the tight ends are missing blocks, or the receivers aren't cracking guys and, and getting their blocks. And, I'm, and that is all true, yeah. but it's not equal shares, you know, of the blame in this. And I think, that you know, that's kind of what they're all trying to, um, you know, hold hands and, and project this united front, which is fine. And that's, you know, that's probably what you should do. But uh, yeah, I still have very low confidence uh, until proven otherwise that that group's going to be able to get it together. But of the two, yeah, give me the offense. Am I a, a Looney Tune for still holding on to my Peyton Thorn stock? And that's a crazy question, especially after what he did on Saturday, which was <laughs> like nothing good. I'll just say it like he not not a great game, probably his worst game in a Spartan uniform. But for some reason, I still think he should be the starter, you know, on Saturday. I really don't have a good argument other than like, hey, he has the most starts in the room. He's the most experienced guy. He was a captain last week. But like, this is me, the hype train conductor for Peyton Thorne. Am I just like in my own head too much? Am I just too in love with Peyton Thorne? Or are you going to be a rational head and say like, no, it's time to move on from that stock and start believing no. in Noah Kim? No, no, hold on to it. Yeah, it's, okay. you know... It's tough, you know, because I do think a lot, you know, everybody, all all boats, all tides were lifted or whatever. K-9 was the tide that lifted all boats last year. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. And so obviously Peyton was a big part of that. And we haven't seen him take that step that a lot of people assumed he might. Um, but still, no, it's still too early for me. It's still a guy who threw 27 touchdowns. 
Okay. It's still a guy, you know, who had some really good moments last year. It's almost hard, you know, I got people in my mentions uh, calling out Jay Johnson, and, and of course they want to bench Peyton Thorne and all, you know. But, man, like, offense looks so hard when you can't block, like, simple run plays, elementary, middle school-type run plays, and just count on two or three yards even. Like, when you can't do that, it's really hard to call an offense. Uh, It's really hard to play quarterback when they know that you have no run game and that your play action is toothless and that you have to drop back. Um, And that, to be frank, you know, they they can tell that, first of all, that MSU's pass protection has been up and down. I thought it was actually really good against Minnesota. Not right. so good against uh, Washington, but but they can tell you know when he's jittery in the pocket, and and that I don't think that he has the utmost trust you know in the protection that he's getting all the time. So it's really hard to do that. Now that being said, Peyton is absolutely you know Jay Johnson. I think's made some bad calls at sometimes, and I don't think he's always willing to lean into the passing game as much as they, this team probably needs to. And maybe they'll he'll come around on that. And and Thorne, you know, when everything else has been great, you know, he's had his own issues. He he let that ball drop, uh, you know, on the goal, near the goal line there. Uh, he's made some bizarro world uh, throws to, for interceptions, you know, so he hasn't been perfect either, but I got it, you know, and Noah Kim comes in when these games are over, you know, or one play at a time, but like, otherwise he's been in when these games have been decided. And so he's playing against backups or guys that don't care as much, or, you know, it's just the, the intensity isn't there. Uh, so he's got to show me a lot more, you know, before, before we come out of this and start saying we got to make a QB change here or there or whatever, because Peyton Thorne has, has put a lot out there that I think, uh, you know, should still give him a little bit of leash there. Not unlimited, you know, not, you know, because mm-hmm. we go back to the Peach Bowl, as we mentioned, like this is a string of uh, some iffy, iffy stuff here. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, what, what a doozy that was. And then... Uh, great game, great game. <laughs> uh, last week at Washington, though, it seemed like he had sort of t- turned a corner there. I mean, he was like four for four on their last drive. He was, he was great. Like five for seven on third downs, uh, something like that, so... It's too early to give up on him. Um, he's too smart, too much of a competitor, I think. But you know, you do wonder if he's trying to do too much, almost, and and if just if him pressing is is compounding some of these issues. More likely to be a starter on this offense first. Is it Noah Kim or is it Eli Collins? Let's do a little cross positional matchup here because hey, you know, just like you said earlier, and just like Mel said, hey, you know, look, the offensive line isn't perfect, but there are holes sometimes, and. Most times when the holes are open, our running backs aren't hitting them, which is a not-so-subtle way to say, like, yeah, running backs aren't off the hook either. But there's been chatter about Eli Collins. You know, he's gotten in some games so far. Like, so, hey, who's more likely to start eventually? Maybe out of the bye week, let's call it. Noah Kim uh, or Eli Collins? Or is that mm. a crazy, crazy question? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'll still go Eli. Um, I just – I really have a hard time seeing, A, Peyton playing bad enough – Okay, yeah, but just, there's no there's no B. It's just that I have a hard time seeing him sure. playing bad enough, uh, long enough that that's actually a question, you know. And if that if that if that comes to fruition, then man, like things have really really gone south. I know people aren't happy right now, but look, there's still a lot that could be done here. I wouldn't you know necessarily predict the the happiest finish to the season, but like it, there's opportunities on the table to to do some really big things. Uh, so that would have to be a disaster situation, I think, if they're really talking about that. And you know, I really would if. I don't know if it would just be an, a, a one-two, like, Thorn, you're out, Kim, you're in. Like, if they're having those discussions, I, I honestly think Caden Hauser might be a factor in, in okay. that type of conversation, Whether when it's, man, we really need to move on here, and so what is our best option, not just for now or for these next X amount of games, but the future. And, you know, if you're going to make it that drastic of a move and things are probably as far in the tank as they are at that point, uh, I, I do think everything would be on the table. So, just given that seems so outlandish and far-fetched right now, I'll say Elijah because, I mean, 
Berger was nicked up, and that's why he didn't start the last game. So injuries happen. It's really been a two-man deal. So injuries happen to one guy. Elijah gets in there and shows out. Boom, maybe he has a great week of practice. Like the, the path just seems much more uh, realistic, you know, for him, even though he is the third man, you know, on the totem pole right now. And I have one more uh, question pertaining to football, which actually it's part question, part cry for help, um, part therapy. Can, can you just say like one nice thing about the team? Like just something to make us smile, like us us fans, please. Like just something, anything. Be creative if you have to. I, yeah, <laughs> sure. You still got uh, still got Bryce Berenger out there punting. Um, hey, he's been pretty that. dang good. Yeah, I mean, awesome. he's been, otherwise, forgive his like kickoff stuff or whatever and all that. But like when he's just punting the football, that's been pretty good. Um, so you got that. And, you know, I'm sort of tongue in cheek when I, I might write something about this, but like it's it's not going to make you guys feel good, but it, it'll make you feel something in the sense that like right. nobody can finger point on this offense. Like it, it, there, there's there's problems across the board. Now, there are two yeah. lesser degrees, but it's not like some of those late D'Antonio teams where the defense was elite, you know, top five type of defense and the offense was bottom five, you know, and, and you had that uh, ripe for division there. Um, I think at least at this point, it's fairly equal opportunity that like almost everybody can point a finger at everybody else, including some thumbs back at themselves, you know, and, and everybody can take some blame in this. So I think uh, in a roundabout way, that's sort of a good thing because everybody's yeah. all in it together, I guess. <laughs> we'll take it we'll take it that, that, that that's how bad last weekend was we're like sure yeah that's that's fine i'll take that as a silver lining <laughs> jesus but uh hey you know who else deals out silver linings without the bad stuff steven acre pro midwest farm group oh, that's there. right hey let's sell some farmland let's do it baby and do it with acre pro midwest farm group because when it comes to land sales it pays to have experts in your corner acre pro midwest farm group are your local farmland specialists with decades of experience in corn belt agriculture no one knows the market better whether you're doing a 1031 exchange expanding your operation or selling a row crop farm your local acre pro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right and great services just the beginning acre pro provides unparalleled land data including soil ratings elevation flood zones and land valuation across parcels so that you can get the full picture up front and be confident in the entire land market your agent will cater to each of your individual needs and help you navigate the complexities of buying and selling land so that the process is made simple Experience the ease of AcrePro by working with farmland specialists like Kyle Rule, Brady Hammond, Neil Herr, and Kyle Spray. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185, AcrePro, Midwest Farm Group. And let's get Stephen Brooks' face back on the screen right now because we're going to talk some shooty hoops. That's right. Enough football talk. I don't think you know a lot of us can stomach any more of it. But also... Tom Izzo had media day yesterday. Talked to the wonderful uh, media contingent of Michigan State uh, writers, reporters, uh, TV anchors, if you will. Tom Izzo might still be at the podium right now for all we know. He loves to talk long at these things. He hits all he sorts of topics like injuries, his schedules, the center position, his retirement. We talked about a lot on yesterday's show, but for you, Stephen, was there anything that really piqued your interest the most or anything that he was a little extra candid about that uh, you took as a concrete takeaway? Uh, well, I think the top line thing has to be that Jaden Aiken's injury has, has been extended. His timetable has been extended a little bit. I think yeah. he said about three or four weeks more, maybe than than they initially uh, when they initially said. I don't. I might have that wrong. A couple weeks though, and so You're he basically right, come yeah. back uh, right around the end of October, I believe. Now, you know, so a few weeks later, and just you know, 
after going through the Josh Langford thing, like that's tough to hear. And you know, I'm not saying it's going to end up that way, of course, but like you yeah. just you know, these foot things, man. It's 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 uh, it's discouraging, and especially with a guy like Jaden, where a of course he's really explosive, but b like more importantly, he was expected to take like a massive leap forward this year and become like a real go-to type of dude for them. You know, it'd probably be their starting two guard with Tyson Walker coming off the bench, playing a little bit of that swing guard position and, and being able to do both. Uh, so yeah, you know, a, he, he was he was already checking guys, but like he'll be their top perimeter defender again mm-hmm. when he's back. And he's going to ask, he's, you know, went from, uh, I think it was four points a game. I mean, they're going to probably want him up near 10, you know, 12 or more if he can, you know, something like that. So just there's much more of a scoring load on him. And so that's that's a little troubling. Uh, you know, Izzo's up front and honest about like uh, his decisions, you know, and, and, you know, I think a lot of, I think a lot of people are waiting for it to backfire on him. And, and some might say they already have with some of these, with these injury deals, but just his decisions to keep the roster short, to not get a, uh, to not go get any transfers, uh, specifically at center. You know, he said we were going to stick with our guys, um, try to develop them and, and stay homegrown like that. It does sound like they're, they're very, very happy with Carson Cooper and, man, they might just yeah. luck out in this deal and, and end up being okay. If they're not – if they're injury-free, they might end up – they might luck out and be okay because, you know, I saw them a handful of times at Moneyball and I was like, man, like, why was not why were there not more people in on this guy? That why How could they, could you not see some of the pieces were here? He's not a finished product at all. You know, mm-hmm. there's a re- – like, there's a reason MSU was his only power offer and all that, and he got, he got recruited late in the process and this and that. But, like, man, some of these veteran coaches and whatnot couldn't see, like – there's a really nice frame here to build upon, you know, a nice foundation. Seven feet. And it sounds yeah, like they're, right. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they're really, really happy with what Cooper's been giving them. So uh, the red shirt plan is certainly out the window. Um, he's definitely going to play for him. And because, I mean, honestly, I still think it's quite a big gamble to be relying on Mati Sissoko for, for really to, to rely on him on any type of way, you know, uh, to, to say he'll be able to give us this every game. I, I don't think anybody yeah. knows that for sure yet. So, that's a couple things, uh, you know, the annual retirement question every year he's got to answer. And he says, you know, I'm, I feel better than I have in the last five years. And I can still take yeah. the red eye to Vegas and back. And, you know, I still love it. And so this and that. So nothing uh, imminent there, I guess. Um, he said the game won't take him. The game won't take him out. The administration of the game will force him out one day. And so, uh, you know, that's it's just more classic Izzo, uh, isms, you know, just him sort of railing against, you know, what he sees. And sure. his new one now is, of course, he got a Twitter rant in, but his new thing now is sports gambling, um, yes. which which is interesting. You know, that might be his new target because he's talking about you can't just win by, you know, you can't just win anymore. You got to win by a certain amount or otherwise you're getting criticized. And that's uh, that's another thing, you know, that's, that's on his uh, hit list there. And, you know, I want to go back to the Mati Sissoko conversation because I read off a bunch of quotes on the show yesterday. And the one that, like, just puzzled me, I, I didn't even know how I thought about it, was the quote about Sissoko saying, essentially, we're starting from scratch with him. Like, okay, <laughs> cool. That, that's awesome. All right, maybe this is a refreshed look at his career. Maybe uh, this is the way to go. But then, like, the rational part of me says, like, this is like a former top 40 recruit that should have had his jump last year. Did not. Do I want to hear that this guy, we have to start from the, the basement level of him again? Like, Stephen, you tell me how I should feel about that quote about a guy that should probably be starting at center this year. Because I don't, I'm starting to think I should not feel good about that quote, come to think of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little, uh, a little uh, concerning, you know, just to be, to be blunt. Like, yeah, I understand, but like, where is I was <laughs> yeah. coming from, though? Like, because this is a guy that, A, doesn't have much basketball history, period. 
And then he has the senior year hand injury. Um, so he didn't get really that development. And then his first two years here, you know, he's been like the equivalent of like a football player on scout team, where it's like, yeah, he's just on the practice, you know, squad. And, and you know, we'll, we'll work with him in individual and everything. But, you know, he's not really factoring into game plans and having to digest game plans and just practicing like a main piece of the rotation. You know, he's, he's never been that. So, yeah, that's that was – I get what he was saying, but, like, um, I, I think he did sort of mean it in that way. Like, it started from scratch in terms of counting on him as a player, being a, being somebody that every night we have to – is going to be a piece of this thing. Um, but the thing that will never – you know, that will never truly digest for me is, like, when he talks about not going after the centers and the portal and everything, it's like, oh, we, we want to stick with our homegrown guys. We want to, to develop guys and not lose anybody. And it's also – to me, I just can't – I'll never get past, like, yeah, well, was would losing Mati Sissoko have crippled your program necessarily, you know, versus the, the massive gamble that you're kind of making now that he can give you 20 minutes a game, if that, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it'd be one thing if, if we're talking about like Jade Nakins, you know, and maybe running him out of the program accidentally sure. or something of that, that right. nature, AJ Hogard, whoever, but like, if, if you did go get a center and Mati left, like, does that change anything, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. It's like you, you made a you put a sizable bet uh, on this guy, um, you know, and so it's 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 really got to come together, you know. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the thing I, that I can't uh, can't keep uh, or I can't uh, look past whenever you hear about that. So this is an analogy I'll be making like all season, and uh, you're going to be my my first uh, test uh, you know test audience for this one. But like getting like a one year center out of the transfer portal is like bringing a, a sweatshirt to a tailgate, Steven, as we're getting into the colder weather months, it, it's better than to need one and then have one than to just not have it, but then need what, like, you know, you're just freezing your, you know, what off at the game, but Hey, you know, at least what, what, yeah. why not just have a center? Why not? Why not? Why? Wh- okay. What if you don't use him? Fine. Okay. At least you had him there, but whatever. Right. I, 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 I said during the spring, like there had to be some, like six eleven, like dude, like dude on the end of like Clemson's bench, you know, with like sure. twenty three career games, like a redshirt senior or something. Some dude, four limbs, know, just uh, four limbs is all we needed. Four functional yeah. limbs that is six foot ten or taller. That, that's all Some we're looking third for. Third stringer from NC State or something who's played five minutes a game over his career or something. Somebody sure. like that who's not expecting to be the guy, but would just be happy to get another year to to ch- to get some change of scenery and to play at a program like Michigan State, quite honestly, to have that platform. I mean, to, to, to just be a role player at a place like Michigan State, there had to be some guys in there that would have been happy with that type of situation. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I would have done it. I think everybody agrees outside of that building that, that they should right. have done it. And, you know, like I mentioned at the top of the segment, like I know a lot of people are kind of waiting for it to be – for to throw that back in his own space. Like, what the heck were you doing? And we'll have to see. Yeah. I guess. He did mention also going small a lot. So maybe there's some there's some ideas there about flexibility and uh, they maybe they won't be beholden to playing a true five all the time and maybe you can get by a little bit that way. I think there's a chance this team could be best, you know, when you when you go small like that. So yeah, maybe it doesn't have to be crippling, but you know, I'm in that camp that I don't understand it either. And just one more thing that actually popped up today on Tuesday is that the uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge game in South Bend is going to be at nine fifteen. And I could not help to laugh. If you're watching on YouTube, you can clearly see this is on the screen. But they posted a picture of A.J. Hogard. Stephen, tell me if I'm wrong here. 9.15 tip-off. Does it not look like even A.J.'s face is saying, 
Bro, what the hell? Why are we tipping off another game after 9 p.m.? That is so effing late. Just look at the look at poor yeah. AJ in this picture. Like, even he looks tired of this game time. Steven, this is the seventh game time for Michigan State coming up this year. That is at 9 p.m. Eastern time or later. And there's still a handful of games that are TBA. We could even see more than seven, but yeah. wow, like holy smoke like this is a little late on a wednesday so uh yeah, that's all i just i just had to point out how funny i thought the it looks like was. a candid yeah. reaction shot they're like all right aj uh you know yeah. this one you just you just won the championship <laughs> click click now this one nine fifteen tip in south bend and then click click this is what? the one again <laughs> yeah Not, like 9 15 p.m eastern time like what like what what so yeah, yeah th- there you have it so uh yeah that's the other news that we got for basketball is um Re-up on your coffee subscriptions if you guys have any or reload that Big B gift card that you have because, uh, hey, Spartans After Dark is going to be a constant theme here for this upcoming season. Uh, and I know that you beat reporters absolutely positively love that, Stephen. Uh, so, hey, sure, but go. this is Looking I'll just go. say real quick, this is a sign of respect. You know, you Michigan State fans love to, you know, cry and moan anytime that there's the slightest <laughs> – perceived disrespect <laughs> about the brand this is respect you get yep. time slots you get late night games so yep drink some coffee as you said and figure it out amen I, me personally i don't know who cares about this because it's just my personal thoughts but i i love the late night games i'm a night owl i'm going to bed at like one two in the morning anyway but like for the majority of people like i i feel their pain uh this was not a welcome sight for them or aj hogart apparently it was not a welcome sight for them yeah. as well either but uh, hey the radar is always up for disrespect you gotta you gotta be clear-eyed and see when there's uh-huh. clearly respect being given too that's all i'm saying yeah that does not work with our agenda though we, we got to have the disrespect shoveled on us and uh yeah that that cuts against the grain there unfortunately shoot well steve i'm sorry excuse Birthday boy, Stephen Brooks, thank you so much for spending some of your blessed day with us. Uh, You are the man. You are the myth. You are the legend. We love you. I love you. Thanks a lot, man, for your time. You're the best. Absolutely. Talk to you next week, man. You know it. And, gang, we'll be back tomorrow. That's right. We have a preview of the Maryland football game. We're talking with someone from the Testudo Times, the SB Nation blog. So, hey, keep it tuned for that. And then Fun Friday is going to be a fun show because, well, it's called Fun Friday. So, hey, keep it tuned here. Locked and Spartans, you guys are the best. Love you all. Go Green.